like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 outer shell fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 outer shell fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tenkatafabrics.com slash flex7. Flex 7, powered by enforced technology. Only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. All right, we got the orchestra playing tonight, too. That's good. Good evening, everybody. This is Ronnie Kay in New York. Welcome to the Backstep. My partner, Tommy A. Those are the two gentlemen uh, on the screen. You're going to meet them in about 30 seconds. Tommy, what's going on in New Mexico? Not a lot. Holidays were good. How was uh, everything in your world? All holidays are great. Fourth of July, Labor Day, everything was great. Uh, Hanukkah, Christmas, you name it, we did it. And uh, New Year's as well. Okay. And and at the wishes of, of Chief Lieb, yes, we're recording this in early December, and you're all going to see it in January. So I, we covered that right off the bat. I wanted to make sure we covered that. So what? Uh, uh, Everything is good. We can't talk about the fact that you're a double dipper. You know, you're doing uh, Hanukkah and Fran doing Christmas. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's it's just for her. It's double the gifts. I get nothing, <laughs> but she gets twice twice the stuff. So she she makes out. That's for sure. But uh, let me uh, let me introduce uh, two guests. We uh, to, to, uh, January being the the fire prevention and protection issue traditionally for Fire Engineering Magazine. Uh, we uh, we wanted to bring on two uh, two current uh, we'll call them luminaries if you will, uh, with gentlemen who have a lot of experience. To, uh, both I have a privilege of working for and working with uh, every day at the job. Uh, the uh, I'm, I'm going how my screen is laid out. On my left is uh, is Assistant Chief Frank Lieb. Uh, Frank's been in the fire service well over thirty years. Started as a volunteer, still a volunteer, right, Frank? Yes, sir. And I'm a deputy yeah. assistant and, chief. Uh, Don't promote me. I'm a Deputy Assistant Chief. <laughs> Deputy Assistant Chief, right. That's right. Two stars and and all that stuff. Uh, mm. But Chief of Safety at the moment uh, held numerous positions, came up the ranks, uh, and, and and is you know I always say when I look at a guy who's got thirty years in 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 a career department and and thirty in a volunteer, he's got sixty years of experience. You know that's kind of the way I look at it. Uh, the gentleman on my right is is uh, Deputy Chief Joe Jordan, who also held staff positions, Chief of Fire Prevention, Chief of Safety as well. Uh, and uh, also active with the NFPA, and and I, and I think what what lends itself to 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 bringing them both on is is they have that safety background, fire prevention, public education, fire safety, uh, and 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 not just working in the FDNY. Chief Jordan's been been on NFPA committees for probably twenty five years or better. Uh, Frank Frank's getting his word out on, on cancer in the fire service, and then of course released the book on leadership. So it's not just you know they're here. They're here because they want to share, which which is kind of which is kind of neat. So uh, basically, uh, you know, we talk about fire prevention and protection. Uh, most of our, unfortunately, most of our fire service people are, are not necessarily interested in that. But tonight, after you watch this podcast and hear what these gentlemen have to say, you might change your tune a little bit. Way before, way before Ben Franklin formed up that fire company in Philadelphia in 1736. He was writing papers on fire prevention. He was telling the people living in the towns and Philly area and everywhere else, you have to watch yourself. You know, fire could take your house down and can kill you. You can do all this stuff. So way before we were responding, we were trying to prevent. So, so I, I think that the uh, 
you know, of course, they lived in a combustible society back then. You know, not only with the houses wood, the sidewalks were wood, uh, the chimneys, some, in some cases, the chimneys were hollowed out and they were, they were trees. They were wooden chimneys. And I think people had wooden teeth back then, too, if I'm not mistaken, right? So uh, Franklin did his thing and, and he, he was, prevention was first. And, and it's, it still should be a priority in the nation's fire service. So I'm going to start, we're going to start the, the first question to you, Joe. And of course, after we ask one of you the question, and when you're done with your thoughts, we'd like the other chief to jump in as well. So the first question I have is, how can we change the culture of the fire service to truly believe that fire prevention, protection, public education are vital to the health and safety of the firefighters themselves on and off the fire ground? Well, you really led with a ground ball there, uh, Ron. Thanks. Um, you know, <laughs> culture change, right? I mean, just that topic of culture change related to the fire service is, uh, you know, is really challenging, right? The notion of um, changing organizational view on any topic, regardless of what it might be. Um, <clears throat> you talked a little bit before about Frank's work with the cancer risk reduction and an initiative which we undertook in 2017, and we're still still working on, but but that was um, steeped in the recognition of uh, fostering culture change, right, to, to, to see results. And, and so it's not an easy thing, right? That, that's the point, you know, point I'm trying to make. Thanks for that easy question, right, that doesn't have a really, uh, you know, straightforward answer. But I, I think that, um, you know, the way to, to, to um, increase understanding situational awareness is for, uh, senior leadership of, of the departments, uh, certainly those who uh, have the passion um, as, as you know, chief officers or, or company officers and have gained the appreciation for um, the benefits of uh, taking fire prevention, as you pointed out, seriously, uh, and then um, sharing that with uh, you know the up and comers, the probationary or or, or, or rookie firefighters, and um, at the scene of fires, uh, like you would critique an operation, perhaps um, try to critique, you know, what could have bitten us here. Uh, what if we didn't pay attention to um, our role, you know, in the fire service uh, in terms of. Um, fire prevention activities, building inspection or pre-planning or whatever, and, and trying to note uh, things that would hurt us during, you know, during operational periods, uh, you know, that, that's the way to do it, you know, to, to drill on it, not ignore it, to, um, it's, it's not the sexiest or the most exciting topic that obviously um, a fire officer wants to, wants to drill on or talk about or, or, or you know, the perception has to change a little bit as well, right? We, we, we generally uh, contemplate safety and we develop a mindset that we have to drill on or focus on things that are, are, are potentially catastrophic in nature um, from, just a, from just a, you know, focused view on collapse is going to kill us, uh, flashover is going to kill us, a backdraft, you know, that's going to kill us right then and there. Uh, but we don't, you know, we, we don't necessarily, right, and it's something we, we have to kind of force ourselves to do, is think about, yeah, what if there is a locked or blocked exit that not only could have consequences to the general public, 
boy, what if we need a way out and, and that's blocked and that's something we could have caught during our, um, if it's at a grocery store, just, you know, we're going out to shop and buy the meal, right? That's something easy to note, let alone uh, something we should be looking for during, um, during uh, you know, building inspection periods or whatever uh, the department calls those times it, 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 you know, it spends doing fire prevention type type efforts. But uh, yeah, it's just got to be added to the list of things that become routine, right? In terms of uh, what we drill on, what we uh, emphasize uh, as part of our role as fire safety leaders, right? In, in the fire service. So. Yeah, it's interesting because every year, like in my last job, every year we, in November, would lay out the, the following year's calendar for training. And it was it was all tactical stuff. You know, when we did we did the fire prevention stuff, my guys were good. It was a small department. They went out, they did pub ed, they went to the schools, they did inspections, they helped the fire marshals. But it was never a, a, a thing on, now that I'm thinking of it, it was never a segment like in this month, they, 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 the IAFC started the, the stand down, the, the safety stand down. So we, we would take a little time out then, but it was never on the actual roster of what we're going to do that month. So, and that's probably where it needs to be. We have to take the time out to do it. But constantly, I, I agree with you. Fra- Frank, would you want to add anything to that? Yeah, and I think so. You, you know, you were drilling on tactics because firefighters, um, Right, they want to drill on going to fires and what's going to kill them, and that's the tactical consideration. So, fire prevention issues um, will kill you, right? Um, when they're not maintained or buildings are, are not built um, uh, properly, that that give us a an edge, right, to protect the residents. But I think, um, you know, to we got to flip the way we teach fire prevention, right? And say, okay, you think about um, Vandalia Avenue that killed three firefighters and it had a, the building had a sprinkler on the top floor. Section valve was, was shut off. It was actually never turned on, right? When it was, when the building was built, you think of one Meridian Plaza where the sprinklers put the fire out, you know, these are buildings where firefighters were killed. So kind of switch it to, to where they learn buildings with self-closing doors or that are, that are operational. You think of the Twin Parks fire and, and the lack of compartmentation. These are things that firefighters could relate to. So if you if you sprinkle in some of those, I like to talk about um, that it's the trail mix approach, right? Um, we got to have the granola, right? But then let's sprinkle some M&Ms in there. So if we're going to talk about fire prevention, let's bring it, let's put it in a, a light that firefighters what will be more receptive to it? And that is talking about it in a tactical sense where, hey, if this building had two exits, if there were two stairwells in this building, we have an attack and evacuation stair. We know that operationally, our operations go smoother when we have two stairwells. In our class two buildings that only have a single stairway, that's a challenge for us when we're talking about, in some cases, the isolated buildings getting to the roof. So when we start to sprinkle those in and talk about them with a little bit of a tactical twist to it, firefighters will have a greater understanding of it. And obviously, as Joe pointed out, when we're out doing building inspection and out dealing with the public, you know, that's a good time for us to be uh, talking about that message, which we see it, you know, when firefighters come, uh, whether they come into the firehouse or the, uh, you know, uh, residents come into the firehouse or open houses or where we're out, you know, there's always a fire prevention message uh, that we're giving to the public. So I think sprinkling that, um, making it more fire prevention issues uh, where the firefighter could relate to it. Because that, that firefighter that only has a couple of years on, uh, you know, he's worried about tactical stuff. He's not worried about, 
he's not worried so much about fire prevention issues. Similar to that, he's not really worried about uh, preventing cancer in himself because he's just he's you know he's worried about being tactically proficient on the fire ground because that's what could kill him five minutes from now. So so is this this what we're talking about now? Does does it or should it start right in the academy? Does it start at that level? You know, with our probationary or rookie firefighters, and or does it start there? Does it continue as people get promoted up the ladder, whether it's volunteer or career, to 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 take go back and look at fire prevention again as part of the whole? Yeah, and it does start there, right? So the new probies do have classes on fire prevention, and they do have classes on. Uh, line of duty deaths and the history of the fire department. So they they do have some of that in the fire academy now. Um, do they have as much as they do on ladder operations and engine operations? Of course not. But that continues. And then at every rank, they get a little bit more. Uh, the lieutenant school gets, uh, you know, flips gets a significant amount of building inspection information. A lot of that is testable for the lieutenant. So they start to get more of that information there. But I think Proby School does a, a really good job of how they disseminate that information to the firefighter by talking about some of the fire prevention issues that we may deal with and, and relating them to the fire ground, which I think we need more of that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Frank, I got a question um, for you. And just the, uh, the, kind of give credit where credit's due. Ron was probably the first person that really uh, tuned me into the impact code enforcement has on firefighter safety. But, uh, you know, taking it down to the uh, the company level, uh, how do the pre-plans get scheduled? Uh, say, uh, you know, one of my uh, pet peeves is the, the dollar stores uh, being disposable buildings. If you got something uh, built, say, out in Brooklyn, how does the company get notified that that's due for a pre-plan? So that's a great question. A lot of a lot of the buildings, it's up to the companies to uh, recognize those buildings. Certain building features or building construction types um, will be a notification to the company. Department of Buildings, when a permit is is issued, would um, uh, you know we'd get the notification. Joe can probably speak about that more on the fire prevention. Bureau side and how they would um, notify the line units, and then they'd go out and do the the pre plans um, after that. But that's um, that's a challenge because a, a dollar store is a building that we we wouldn't necessarily go out and pre plan, and they're in every neighborhood. Yeah, just uh, looking at the construction features of those uh, make me a little jumpy, and uh, I think Ron, you were the one that tuned me into one of the corporations basically budgets to burn what about 10 of them down a year and then uh, come in well the scrape the foundation and put a new one up well it was in terms of the fast food restaurants you know the 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 the, the fast food places they're disposable buildings you know and they they fail quick they fail quick i i i used the, the case of that that the mcdonald's that burned in houston you know, I know it's probably 20 years ago already. Yeah, Valentine's you know, Day before, yep. before the first funeral, the lot was plowed and graveled. And when they went by there with the funeral procession, it looked like there was never even a building there. So, uh, and I've seen them uh, a couple of years back. They, they were going to renovate. They were going to renovate a a, uh, a combination uh, 
Dunkin' Donut, Baskin Robbins. There's a place where you can kill yourself in 15 minutes, right? A Dunkin' Donuts and a Baskin Robbins together, right? So they were going to renovate, and they put up a sign, we're renovating. They knocked the building down and built a brand new building. I mean, that was the renovation. They actually destroyed the And I'll tell you, you, you really bring up a great point because when we think about these cookie-cutter type fast food restaurants that are definitely disposable buildings, right? They, they're they going to do a design change and they knock it down. They put up a new building and two weeks later, they have a new they have a new building. That's in stark contrast to these new mega warehouses, these Amazon and Target and Walmart distribution centers that have these new sprinkler systems, these new type of sprinkler systems where they're now we should be pumping these systems for a half an hour minimum and not shutting them off where it's about let the sprinkler systems um, do more of the work than we're used to, than we're used to doing. Um, and you see the, the one that out in Indiana, uh, the Walmart distribution center that uh, the fire department was accused of shutting the sprinkler system off and letting the fire burn. They're, that stock is disposable where if we preserve the building, they're open, they're open a week later, as opposed to months later when they lose um, those those structures. So that's a pretty good example of two very different buildings and the mindset on on how we should be protecting those buildings. Yeah, Joe. Joe, anything anything on the, the we're talking about construction now of two different two different types. And anything you want to well, just throw uh, in, in you know, this? It's, it's readily evident, probably to the viewers, that um, they're getting a decidedly New York City. Uh, view on um, the topic, right? That we were kind of bit myopic, but we, you know, going back to the previous conversation on um, training and, you know, where in the arc of one's um, career evolution should the topic of fire prevention be um, <clears throat> emphasized, right? And, uh, <clears throat> you know, Frank mentioned that we do, uh, you know, present information and the probies do get some of that in, in the fire Academy, but, um, but, but it's, it's obviously different in other places, you know, and you and I are both aware of, um, you know, I I know I did some work in the past in uh, you know, national labs, um, and those fire departments, that's what their daily, um, routine tends to be right. Is, is going to buildings and performing building inspections and probably a lot more, um, in depth and detailed than um, fire prevention bureaus may do in other places, right? Because that's their stock and trade. They learn, you know, how to how to really well inspect fire alarm systems and 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 water based fire suppression systems and uh, all the other built environment um, issues related to fire code compliance and maybe building code compliance. So, you know, there's a wide arc of 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 where that comes in. So. Um, j- j- just, yeah, you're going to get that New York City um, centric view, which, you know, I don't know that we're a model for um, the, um, uh, you know, the, the in-service firefighter doing fire prevention, right? I know that we probably on, on a, you know, a spectrum of what the daily emphasis, we're not at the top of, you know, where fire prevention falls on you know, the schedule or, or a daily emphasis that said, um, as Frank alluded to, based on, you know, Tom's question that, uh, <clears throat> that, yeah, it is up to the company officer to flag these buildings to, um, you know, maybe not develop a, a formal pre-plan, but to certainly, uh, you know, create familiarization, right? You know, that, that's up to the company to be familiar with their 
their first due. And it's an opportunity. Uh, we, we have a thing in New York City um, that, you know, it, you know, I don't know if it falls in the in the fire prevention bucket elsewhere, but uh, critical uh, information, you know, dispatch system. So it's it's a it's a kind of a byproduct of pre-planning where uh, you capture truly uh, important information relative to that building. And it will be communicated with the with the alarm when the you know when the ticket goes out for the for the fire. Um, there'll be several lines of what are what's considered critical information, um, <clears throat> you know, oddball uh, or unique facets of the building. Uh, you'll get a little bit of an overview of its uh, occupancy and height construction. So if it is a lightweight construction, you should you should have that information. Um, so. Yeah, you know, in, in our case, there while there are certain um, hazards that are, uh, you know, almost required to have pre plans developed, those tend to be, you know, m- more complex, more large scale uh, projects like you know stadiums or uh, large underground um, complexes and those sorts of things are going to require a true pre plan. But, um, you know, to Tom's question, you know, that's something that hopefully the company officer, our chief officers, our battalion chiefs are, uh, you know, constantly maintaining awareness of what buildings are going and what hazard, what's new, what haven't we seen before and tr- bring the company there and train, right. And, and become aware of it. And then there is the opportunity when the company is there to flag any, any concerning aspects of uh, of you know the the environment, right? Are there any any code violations that need to be uh, flagged or, or 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 dealt with, right? Remediated then or or down the down the line. So, so I'd, I'd love to get both, both of your views uh, on this. That the last bunch of years, there's uh, I think I think it's a Vinnie Dunn actually. Uh, he taught a talk about battle planning. Uh, versus pre-planning, you know, pre-planning, it's all about the building and all that, but battle planning, wh- what are we going to actually do when we get there? So, so h- how do you think, does that fit in with what we're talking about? Battle planning, pre-planning all together, you know, it's, it, and let the way, the way it was, it's been described and the way I've kind of discussed it is like, you know, pre-planning is, you know, the structure of the building, the built-in systems, all, all of the, the human elements factors, you know, fire drills, all that stuff. Let's just say it's a high rise, you know, but the battle plan, is when you get when we get there, how much exactly how much water did what's our fire flow? Do we need three thousand gallons a minute? Whatever it is, you know, so so it, it, and how the battle plan needs to fit in with the pre plan and the building's emergency plan all together in one thing. So it, it, do we have the opportunity to, to preach battle planning? And if we do, can we tie that in also to the prevention protection aspect in terms of health and safety for the firefighters. So I'm going to throw that this one to Frank first. So so I would say we, we we largely do that, right? So our pre-planning, when we go out there and we do a pre-plan, if there's a hydrant, if there's a fire hydrant that we should be hooking up to, or if there's a, um, uh, other other unique aspects to these larger buildings, right? So the pre the pre plans are usually the larger, uh, unusual or regular type buildings. Uh, so we will have, integrated into that uh, will have tactical considerations. In the smaller ones that we may go and do a a drill at or a training at, that's when we use, as Joe alluded to earlier, 
are our SIDS information on that, the critical information dispatch system that we have that we're able to get a lot of information, such as single single stairway or, um, you know, you need four lanes to get to an apartment. And then on our larger buildings, when we talk about high rise, we also have building information cards, which can have some of the building information on that um, that can be tactically relevant and, uh, and certainly strategically relevant. So um, I think it's already a big part of it. And when we do the pre-plans, the companies and typically several companies will go and review that plan um, periodically. And they're definitely talking about how they would strategically and tactically uh, attack an emergency or fire in, no, in those structures. Joe, anything to add to that? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I certainly echo what um, what Frank brought out, and to say that I do think that the combination of our, you know, firefighting procedures, which certainly serve as the basis, I would think, of battle planning in, in New York City, you know, I, I would suggest probably led the way in creating you know, sort of standardized firefighting plans based on a combination of occupancy type and building use and so forth. Um, you know, we, we have a set for high rise, a set for multiple dwellings, a set for private dwellings. Um, and, you know, taxpayers, right, are one story, typically one or two story commercial strip mall type um, arrangements. So uh, that, that, that I, would, I would guess, you know, and, and I don't know the battle planning per se that done you know, writes about, but I, I would suggest that that probably is a foundation for for the battle planning. But you, um, yeah, you you integrate that with any pre plans that do exist or the SIDS. And and I just want to compliment the <clears throat> companies that uh, are working in my division. Big big issue, um, New York City right now, and a lot of a lot of big cities, a lot of jurisdictions uh, are migrants, right, and trying to house migrants within the jurisdiction. And what we're finding in New York City is they're putting them anywhere and everywhere. And I'm sure, Ron, you can attest to that from the you know Fire Prevention Bureau's perspective. But uh, we just received a bunch of um, notifications through our uh, critical information dispatch system approval process to the division to you know approve a bunch of changes because companies are recognizing that as they're going out and doing their familiarization of their first dues that a lot of what were uh, formerly, formerly, you know, uh, varied occupancy types are now being occupied as shelters and, you know, legally or not, that's what they're being occupied as. So that's really good information for those companies coming in. Right. So I really, you know, want to compliment the, uh, you know, um, companies that were, you know, on the ball there and, recognizing that that's no longer a multiple dwelling, whatever, it's really functioning as a shelter, which, you know, is maybe some form of multiple dwelling, but certainly not from a code perspective, right? So, um, but but I think that, yeah, they mesh together to uh, work well, right? The, the, the notion of battle planning with pre-planning, and in our case, building familiarization and so forth. And Ron, I just want to yeah, yeah. highlight one of the points that Joe made about that, right? So he made a great point when he said, it's that the foundation, the foundation of what we're doing is our procedures, right? Our thousands of pages of our firefighting procedures. These pre-incident guidelines is when there's a deviation to that. And that's the importance of that. The buildings where we're going to require a deviation. So that's a great point that that is our foundation for it. And the pre-incident guide highlights what we, where we would be, our deviations would be. 
I, I, you know, just listening to both of you, what, what, what I'm thinking in the background is, is in the, in the, the familiarization towards the pre-planning, the battle planning. Okay. It, it's, it's almost pulling the fire prevention protection thing into it by default. So now they're going out to a building to, to look at, to get familiar with the building, to look at systems, the battle plan, you know, where are we going to stretch from, standpipes, whatever it is. So now it almost, I hate to say it, but it almost forces our firefighters to look at those systems. Like, okay, where is the standpipe? Where is the fire pump in the basement? How do you turn it on? You know, where's the sprinkler valve? And all, so the, by, by virtue of the fact, it's a, it's like pulling pulling that the stuff. Day-to-day like day operations of, the, of, a, of a New York City firefighter, he is doing fire prevention activities, um, and that's how he's getting better at his craft, tactically and strategically. He may not or she may not view it as a fire prevention activity because learning how to use that building pump, learning how to supply that system makes them tactically better. Um, and understanding fire prevention, understanding why these buildings shouldn't have locked and blocked exits, all of that stuff is fire prevention and code-related but it's directly related to how we operate on uh, on a fire ground. Knowing when a fire escape is going to have a gooseneck to the ladder is a fire prevention matter, but it is incredibly relevant to a firefighter operating on a fire ground. And knowing that gives you tactical and strategical superiority when you understand that. Yeah, and, I, and I, that's that's kind of kind of in the back of my head. That's what I'm thinking. So. They're actually doing it, but they don't know they're doing it. So let's not tell them, okay? <laughs> let's, don't, don't tell them because they'll stop doing it. Right? But, but I, 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 yeah, yeah. But, but I, I think, and I think most fire departments around the country, and I know Joe, you have a lot of national exposure, Joe, because you, 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 you work on on NFPA committees, you know, national and international uh, with the NFPA. But I, I think most most of the firefighters across the country are probably doing the same thing. You know, they're getting at, they're looking at buildings, they're going here, they're pre-planning. And so it's it kind of forcing them. And and, I, and, I, and I, I'm not sure how, how do we get them to actually admit it, so to speak, say, well, yeah, we do fire prevention work. So maybe, you know, I, I'm not sure what the magic bullet is here to kind of bring them bring them forward and say, yeah, this, we're doing it anyway. Let's let's call it what it is, you know, and then maybe improve upon well, it. Well, I think you you're know, trying I, to I put know. lipstick on a pig there, Ron. You know, I mean, most <laughs> – Places you go, okay. you're going to want to tell you we want to go to more fires. We're going to want to do less uh, fire prevention, less whatever else, right? But so as sexy as you want to make it sound, you know, it's it's right. I think going to be viewed as a marketing push. However, right, realizing like I had alluded to earlier, there are those departments that you know that you you when you you know take the oath and you sign your employment papers. You know that your 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 day is going to be primarily devoted to, you know, going from building to building to building, and 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 that's it. And there's probably not going to be a plethora of structural fires, right? And and thankfully, because you're probably doing a good job, uh, you know, focusing on what that primary uh, responsibility is day to day, right? So, um, you know, when I think about those departments, like I, I alluded to you know, national labs and I've done work at Los Alamos. I don't know how far away you are from that, Tom, but, um, I don't glow in the dark. (laughs) I've been (laughs) at a few of those, um, you know, sites and certainly college campuses, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of departments that cover college campuses, they supplement the college safety, uh, you know, the university safety departments or whatever, but, um, but you know, in the case of yeah, the FDNY firefighter, or maybe the the, the you know the urban firefighter, 
um, celebrate it. I, I think, yeah, don't try to hide it. You know, I mean, those are, um, those are wins and celebrate those wins. But I do think that um, we can simplify, right? We can simplify or, or, or manage our expectations might be a better way of what are the true, you know, what truly are those um, you know, fire prevention um, topics or, 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 or functionally, what, what do I want the firefighters when they go to do a building inspection or they're doing a familiarization? What do I want them focusing on? You know, I, I, I don't care if they know what the travel distance is or isn't or um, what the decibel level might should be on a fire alarm or, um, you know, spacing of sprinklers. But you know, what, 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 what are my expectations? Yeah. Locked or blocked exits. Uh, you know, I want them to know if a sprinkler is being supplied or that valve has been shut off or, you know, Frank made the point of section valves. Right. And, and that's a good learning opportunity, right. When you're in there as a fire officer uh, who may have some knowledge on how these systems work, um, sharing that, right. Because then at an operation, th- there's a way to look like a champ, right. If you, remember, oh, geez, that, you know, I can, I can isolate that part of the building because I know there's a valve, it's up above, you know, the ceiling, um, drop ceiling and the wherever, you know, the exposure one, two corner down in the down in the cellar, right. So um, I don't know if I'm making any sense. But I think that, uh, you know, we, we, we should push it, it is a good, good thing. You know, it's almost uh, simpler. You know, I've worked in smaller jurisdictions, and it's easier to track some of that stuff. And uh, I I just wanted to comment on, uh, Frank, you uh, talked about one meridian. And uh, I believe at the time that fire occurred, not only was there a a problem with the uh, PRVs uh, in the standpipe system, but uh, the fire department was also not responsible for inspecting any of that. I think that came out of the building department. And and you guys are the biggest fire department going. How do you coordinate all that shit? <laughs> the technical term. Uh, well, and that's a problem, right? So it's another, It's you know, pressure reducing devices and all these, you know, are they able to come off? Are we able to open them up? Like all of these different things, they impact us strategically and tactically. And um, so... Call it whatever you want, fire prevention, being better at your job, however it is, right? But every single day we're out there doing different things that are related to understanding and knowing the code. And as Joe said, you know, I don't know the decibel level, so I'm glad he doesn't think I should know it. But I should know that how far the stock should be. I should know that I shouldn't have flammable, uh, you know, uh, liquids in the basement because we've, you know, we've lost firefighters to those things uh, as as well as civilians. I should, you know know the pressures that I should be supplying systems, knowing that a combination, sprinkler standpipe systems, knowing the section valves is critically important um, in those buildings. There's just, there's so many examples of the overlap of understanding fire prevention codes to be better on the fire ground when there actually is a fire and emergency. And I think that's that tie in, that's that M&Ms in the, in the granola bar, right? Everybody loves M&Ms, everybody doesn't like the granola in the trail mix maybe, but that's, that's that, you know, we need we need more of that and how we tie those in and our firefighters knowing that because our firefighters, they learn in the field. You go out with a company and they're doing building inspection and they know 
how wide the aisle should be. They know if there's even if there's a street fair, they know that they need to get the fire truck down it. That's a fire prevention code, but they know that. Um, they know how many propane cylinders that uh, they can have at a private dwelling, or how, at, how many at a at a street fair or bazaar. They they understand all of that stuff, and that is all fire prevention stuff that can negatively impact the public safety as well as our safety. So they're out there doing it, and um, you know. And I think I do think that every firefighter, um, no matter where you are, is doing some degree of fire prevention um, work when you go in, because it's 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 just integrated into our into our training for so many different things. The, in, the overlap is tremendous. Agreed, Tommy. You got something? You know, uh, we, we we know that. The true value of uh, in-service inspections, and uh, or even just pre-planning, is out there. But uh, you know, and I think you alluded it to uh, earlier, Ron, with a, a cultural shift. But uh, I, I'll ask uh, both Frank and Joe: uh, Are are you seeing some of that cultural shift showing up? Uh, they want it? No, no, they don't want to inspect buildings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, there you go, folks. Well, I think, though, that um, in, in that regard, right, and I'll go back to, you know, 30 many years ago, that right, when I started with FDNY and um, think about how seriously the um, function of, you know, um, Apparatus field inspection duty, AFID, which it was called back then, right, was taken. And it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, at the top of the priority list of, on a typical work day, right? So very perfunctory, um, you know, not taken that seriously. But you had to be out, you know, X number of times a week, so many hours a day, and, you know, don't get caught not being out there. So it was, you know, kind of a, you know, drudgery, right, for anything else. And you were, you know, praying for, for some runs, right, in a fire maybe or two. But um, but today the focus, I think, is a little less on quantity and more on quality, right? And so uh, they changed, you know, the organization changed the um, rules of engagement and the expectations. And, and, and I think it is, you know, get your work done. You get your work done. And, and so I think that has a lot to do with, our firefighters, um, you know, more embracing that role and um, knowing that, you know, we're not just going out because we have to be out for X number of hours these three days a week at these times. And it's going to screw up lunch with the engine or the truck. And, you know, no, we're going to go out and we're going to, you know, we got this, these things to accomplish and the company officers know what, what the emphasis is and what they have to do. And I think that, that's gone a little bit to Frank's point. Yeah, no, nah, it's not the number one thing that firefighters want to do, go out and inspect buildings. However, I think that though, the, they, you know, the, the, the message of, um, yeah, we're out inspecting buildings, but that that could not only benefit the public, but benefit us in terms of our safety in the future. And, 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 and it'll give us a leg up in terms of how, effective and efficient we could be if we we come back to this place uh at you know two o'clock in the morning and the roll downs are down and we gotta force our way in and put a fire out so i think i think that's improved the outcomes 
I don't know if it's improved the passion for the function, but it's it's helped. Yeah, and I think honestly, um, all firefighters they understand the, they understand the value of building inspection, right? They would rather be, but they'd rather be training on forcing a door. They'd rather be st- training on stretching a hose line. But they know they're keenly aware of the hazards. Whether it's the Atlantic Avenue fire where we lost some firefighters because you know because bearing walls in the in the basement were taken out. Or we're talking about the Black Sunday in the Bronx, where there were illegal renovations in the apartment, uh, you know, in conjunction with our members not having the, any issued ropes that caused them to, to to jump. So our members are aware and of the consequences when code violations or, or aren't up to up to speed that it can that it impacts the public, but it also impacts it impacts us as well. And I mentioned, you know, the. Um, Vandalia Avenue, but the, you know, the Macy's department store in the 1950s, uh, uh, you know, a sprinkled building that it was turned off. I mean, so there's, there's a tie in, in every decade of, you know, fire prevention activities, not only negatively impacting the public, but impacting the FDNY and our members. So, so I, I guess my question is, is how critical is the role of the company officer in all of this? Where do you see the company officer in this? I, to me, I think they play a pivotal role here. Whether or not they're getting it from the top, whether or not the chiefs are saying you got to do this, I think it's a pivotal role. But I, I'd, lo- I'd love your opinion on this, Joe. You want you want to take it first on this? <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think that the company officer is the linchpin in in making this work, right? Um, because those are the boots on the ground, right? That company led by the company officer and. You know, it's important to lead from the front, whether, you know, you're stretching a line or you're conducting a search. Um, in this case, you're, you're, you're hopefully modeling good behavior and teaching as you go. Right. Presumably that company officer is, if not, you know, the most, uh, you know, educated, experienced in terms of what what the role is in regards to that function, certainly among the, the, the you know, highest trained and, and more experienced in that regard. So. Uh, it's a good it's a teaching moment it's a leadership moment and uh I, you know i agree that it's critical and and i think that we've seen and I, I think that you know frank would agree over the you know my, my time certainly the arc of 30 you know 38 years um a shift right like in in that regard where you know the typical model was many 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 moons ago that uh you know, we'd pull up to the front, and the and the boss would hand you out the uh, at his window, hand you out the uh, clipboard, right? All right? We'll see you in about an hour, right? Like, and then we you know come back. We got two more to do. And uh, now that you know, in my experience, you know, is not the case. You know, like I said, the way that we've um, changed expectations and functionally how it's performed, I think we see more often than not the company officers um, leading the way to your point, you know, probably should be the model. Right. He's the quarterback. I totally agree. Uh, Joe, there's really not much to add to that. Joe knocked it out of the park. There's, it's really, he's the officer's the quarterback, the role model, be the boss. Yeah. I, yeah that That's kind of, kind of, kind of what I was thinking. You know, I, I what's his name? Told a story at, at recently at, at the high rise fire safety director symposium at down in Metro tech. Uh, Jerry Tracy did something on high rise, you know, based on the recent book he did with Jack Murphy and Jimmy Murtog. And, and, but he, he talked about, 
you know, going to building, just going on runs, you know, and and make, and having those teachable moments and trying things. He said he he was when he was uh, I think he was a captain of Fort Truck uh, at one point, and uh, they went into a uh, a high rise on an alarm, and he he asked the fire safety director, he's how often do you test your elevators? He goes, oh, we have a schedule and blah blah blah. So he takes out his 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 key, you know, in the city to. The 1620 key. That's still a viable key, right? 1620, we yes. still use that? Yes. Yeah. And he puts he puts it into the into the key slot on the elevator bank and he, he turns it to see if the elevators will come down, you know, during this minor emergency. He says actually it was an EMS run. He says they went there to assist. He says, and nothing happened. So I, I took it, tried it again, nothing happened. So he called the fire safety, right? He said, put your key in there. I think they have a 2640. It's kind of a cousin to the 1620, right? There's a there's a cousin key there. Nothing happened. So he told the guy, all right, you got to get this fixed, you know? So, so here's what the investigation showed. And, and so there's a company that, that cleans all the brass in the high-rises, and, and they clean all that brass, you know, once a month or whatever, and there was a caustic material in there that seeped in. It ate the tumblers inside, it ate the tumblers inside the key, the keyhole in the slot and then the key didn't work because the, 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 it was like an empty shaft in there. So the, the, the lesson learned, his, his thing was, you know, every, every run could be, can be a, a learning experience, you know, and just trying things and let's try the key this time. And next time let's go to the pump room and look at the valve and, you know, each and every time we go out and, 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 and I, and I think I'm hearing that, 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 that our department does that, you know, and I think we want to encourage everybody to do that. You know, I, I, I had, when I was in Connecticut, we we did a, we did a a leadership uh, a two week program for new officers, and and one a couple of officers stayed back one night, and they said our chiefs are really they're not big on training. They don't want us to get hurt while they're training because if we get hurt, then they got to hire overtime, and they won't let us work out in the gym because if we get hurt, they got to hire overtime. So these guys couldn't train and they couldn't work out, which is which is complete opposite of the of what we're trying to do here in the fire service, right? So I said to them, from the training standpoint, I said, every run you go on, make it a training run. Every single run. You go to a building with a sprinkler system, you investigate the alarm, go down in the pump room, look at the fire department connection, check the OSMY valves. You got a taxpayer, throw a portable ladder to the roof, stretch a dry line to the Siamese, whatever. Make every run because their bosses didn't want to let them do heavy-duty training because they were afraid of injury. So make every run, uh, 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 you know, and and it it really – that that attitude really flew in the face of everything that we talked yeah, about. Yeah, that that's you know, that's ridiculous. Uh, that's the yeah, opposite of yeah. a winning mindset, right there. But yeah, you know, no, no, no as doubt. a company officer, I would um, if I went to a building that had an elevator and it was uh, um, you know above seven stories, we were going to use it. I would always recall the elevators on an EMS run. Fire service elevators—they're for us. It's even in the name that they're for us. Why would we not make sure that they're inspected? I would make sure that I would do them on it on on many runs because you'd find out that they're not working when there's not a fire. So uh, I'm, that's what was one thing I definitely was not going to leave to chance for, for somebody else. And it was good to drill on it. Not only would I make sure to recall, but I'd also make sure that the buttons inside when we get inside work as well, because oftentimes you would find that there was some type of defect in there. Um, and, you know, I don't want to find that out on game day when we have a fire. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and let me just, uh, you know, talk about um, Jerry Tracy, right? Like just an incredible role model, an incredible leader. And relative to this topic, I had an encounter with him as a 
covering captain, recently promoted, um, hadn't you know done a whole lot of building inspection as I had spent most of my career as a firefighter and um, and a lieutenant in in companies that didn't do building inspection. But now here I am, a captain and taking a company out and and we were you know we were out and I was out of the rig and I was you know with it. And so just happened to be in Jerry's battalion, that tour, that particular tour. And he showed up and you could see the big smile on his face and just how he pumped, you know, pumping me up for like doing my job. But yet, like getting the firefighters there really motivated and, you know, trying to build passion in there, you know, what they were doing and and marketing the idea that this is important, you know, and he didn't miss that opportunity. And, you know, certainly an encounter I'll never forget. I, I knew him not well, but uh, certainly, you know, um, le- left an impression, you know, and, and relative to doing, doing building inspection. Right. So um, yeah, he, he never missed an opportunity. He never squandered an opportunity to train or to make the people around him better. Yeah. Right. Incredible. Experience. Yeah, it's, it, interesting, interestingly enough, I, I there was a, there's, there's another uh, podcast, not, not part of fire engineering, but, this there's two retired guys it's called uh, getting salty frank you've been on with them yet i've never getting heard of them guys <laughs> never heard of them okay but they had they had they had john esposito on and 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 uh and i think actually i think i think you called in or you chatted in and saying hey this is supposed to be an hour they were already an hour yeah. 40 in right <laughs> exactly and I, I watched i watched i watched the video but but he 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 talked about working in his squad he he was in the squad with tracy and uh, who else was in that squad? Uh, there was a couple of guys that worked for Tracy when it, when they formed up the squads. He was the captain of eighteen, yeah. and and they they said they were they were coming back, they were coming back from a run one uh, from a job, and it's two thirty in the morning, and he tells the driver stop the rig. Yeah, that was me. I was the driver. Out. Yeah, was it yeah. you? Okay, yeah, because he saw a roll down. Was it the roll down, 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 down gate that type that he'd never seen before? Um, and Please tell he's it. like, stop Please the rig. It. And I'm like, I'm like, what, what, what is, what's going on? Um, he's like, you know, and then he gets out and next thing you know, we're out there drilling, you know, for a uh, half hour, 45 minutes on all the features of it, because it was the roll down was in the closed position, which is, you know, in, in the big apple, the city that never sleeps. It's not that often that these roll downs are, uh, are down and he wasn't going to squander an opportunity to, for him to learn and to make sure his members learned. And to the all the members working in Squad 18 that night, to their credit as well, nobody complained. Everybody was into it and uh, made sure. I wound up early on when the squads were formed. I drove there a lot. They didn't have a lot of chauffeurs there, so my relief would be my 24 partner Joe Vaccaro, also from from 270, to come relieve me. But that's a that's a topic for another show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I, it's funny, Frank, because I I heard the story recently, and and, and I might have heard it from you. But then we were talking about training, and, and they, they said, you know, they're talking about Tracy, and they said, yeah, two two o'clock in the morning, you stop to look at this gate, and you know, but, but nobody bitched about it, you know, they, it was important enough to look at, yeah, it, you know, yeah, I tell you, and, I, and I think that's, I, I've had that's the most many times in my career, I've had uh, opportunities for, for Jerry Tracy to humble me uh, on a call, whether it was as a firefighter, as a lieutenant, uh, it, there was just many different times where uh, where he did that, where we were on on runs and uh, yeah he's just um he's one of he's just one of those guys right he's he's always on his always on his game always looking to, to teach and i had never heard you know i've never heard uh, joe tell that story so that was that was good to hear another another 
Another good training Jerry Tracy story. Hey, if uh, you guys don't Actually, mind me putting the shoe on the other uh, foot, so to speak. But, you know, we've been talking about the, the line firefighters getting more involved and knowing what the Bureau's doing or what they can do. How about the guys in the Bureau? What do you think they can do to kind of enhance the relationship with the operations guys? Well, and, and Tom, I was, you know, so I don't know if this, um, I don't know if my answer is going to, you know, um, jibe with your question, but I think it's, it's, uh, it's going to closely align. What I was going to try to bring up at some point is that I think for our in-service troops to be effective, it's, um, it's incumbent upon leadership, department leadership, or in those organizations where, you know, you do have a fire prevention bureau that is perhaps staffed by sworn members um, who, you know, that's their, their, their primary focus to communicate to the operational folks, the field folks, what are specific objectives? What, what do we want you to accomplish when you're outperforming your building inspection, your field inspection, whatever, whatever, you know, it's, it's termed in that department, because just throwing a fire code at a, at a company officer and saying, yeah, good luck, you know, is, uh, you, you know, what, what are the priorities? What, what, you know, we, you know, let's, let's limit the battlefield a little bit, right. And, and well-defined expectations. And, and I think that maybe if, you know, that's, you know, when, whether you're talking the Bureau, whether you're talking the, you know, the chief of department or whomever uh, sets objectives for the department in, in different ways, that, that could be helpful, right? Because I suspect there are many places that, yeah, here's the fire code for the state of, or the, or the county of, or the whatever. And what, what do you want me to enforce, right? Or, you know, are there checklists or are there um, tools to help focus, uh, you know, the in-service company officer be successful? Would, and, and not knowing the, the culture of the two different, uh, pieces there, uh, the bureau and, and the, the operational end of it. Is there much social interaction? Do the guys stop by the firehouse, uh, get a chance? Are you to talking get... about New York City, Tom? Yeah. Yeah, no, there's a, probably a divide, right? I think Ron would, would agree, um, you know, because the, the bureau, the Fire Prevention Bureau in, in FDNY is um, yeah, 98.8% you know, civilian, right? And there's um, relatively few fire officers who are there with a specific task um, involving high-rise fire safety planning and 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 the like. So, um, yeah, the the inspectors do stop by usually a firehouse at the end of the day to sign out of their workday. But there's no, you know, socialization. Different cultures, different. Um, you know, di different mindsets, different, yeah, just... Uh, but I think to the point, right, that th there should be some cross-pollinization, right? When inspectors can view stuff through the firefighter's lens and a firefighter can view stuff through um, a fire prevention inspector's lens, I think that's important. And, um, you know, and I think, Joe, I think they started under you, right? The, the Not really firefighter for a day, but where the inspectors came to the fire academy um, for for some training, right? Some 
so to have some basic understanding and, and perspective of what the firefighter is doing, looking at thinking, because I think that is important. And, and we've even gone further than that. Now we have some classes that we offer that there's cross pollinization happening where different members of all the different bureaus are coming in uh, and attending class together. So that alone on the breaks, they're talking, what do you do? Oh, I'm part of the range hood unit. What, what is that? Right. Or, or I'm doing fire alarm inspections or whatever it is. And you, you learn different nuances and, and responsibilities of the job. And I think for the firefighter, it widens the aperture and they kind of realize that there's, there's so much more to the FDNY and what gets done throughout the organization that a firefighter that, that does his entire career in the firehouse may not um, may not otherwise be exposed to all of that, where to Joe's point, the only time he sees this inspector is when he comes to sign out. You know, he's in the firehouse for 10 seconds, signs out and leaves. You know, I, I think when you know somebody, it, that certainly helps. And when you understand somebody's job, it really helps. Well, and I think well, we, we've done point, so- if I could just add to that, that, yeah, we, you know, that it, it was in play before I arrived, you know, became chief of fire prevention was the, um, yeah, you know, uh, building awareness, right, for fire inspectors as to the importance they play in terms of firefighter, you know, safety and health in addition to public safety, right? Um, you know, we generally look at fire codes as being there for, for public safety, but I thought it was a really great um, um, element of the fire protection inspector training. And it went away for a short time due to budgetary reasons, but we were successful in, in getting it, um, you know, put into, uh, eventually put back into the curriculum for the new fire inspector. And I think it's still, still there, right, Ronnie? I would imagine it's still there. Um, yeah, we're, we're, doing, we're doing some awareness because our, our academy, we run our inspector academy at The Rock, so we get to do that interaction. But moreover, we, we've under Joe's leadership when he was chief of the Bureau, we incorporated a new program of continuing education classes. So other than code, okay, you know, sit, sit for eight hours in, in, a, in a code refresher class, you want to put an ice pick in your ear, right? So what, what we did was we, we mixed it up. And, and we we developed the we didn't develop a course. I, I got a hold of Chief uh, Chief Downey at the academy, and I said I want a, I want a half a day. I want a four hour class on fire operations for the fire inspectors. So he he hired a battalion chief in from from Queens from the five uh, zero, a guy named Russo Brian Russo, and he put together a beautiful program. And I he said, what do you want? And I said, these are not firefighters. What what do you teach a probe the first day? This is an engine. This is a truck. This is a, this is this. You know, I says walk them through your equipment, your procedures, and all that. It's a hit. It's out of the park. When we advertise this class, it's sold out in ten minutes. So we've done it about a half a dozen times in the last eighteen months. Russo comes, he brings another guy with him, and then after three hours, they go out. They go into the subway simulator. They look in there for a while. They go on a burn building. They flow a little bit of water and all. They talk about the standpipes. You know, here's what it looks like when it's flowing. Okay. If, if the standpipes aren't working right, perhaps you inspected it recently. Here's why you have to do your flow test better. And then they shut the water off in the middle of the operation to show them what it looks like when they lose water. So we, we've done that. Of course, we brought in the fire marshals to talk about arson investigation, the terrorism guys to talk about the scary stuff. So we, 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 we're, we're, pushing, we're pushing the agenda from our side to get our people much more familiar with with the, the, the fire operations. In, in addition to that, uh, 
uh, Tommy, what we've done is also under Joe's leadership. We put together a program. It's 45 minutes. It's everything you want to know about the Bureau of Fire Prevention, but afraid to ask. So we present that at every new lieutenant school. We do that at every FLIPS class when they make lieutenant. We do it at, at the battalion chief's command school when they make battalion chief. It's 45 minutes. It talks about all of our units, how we do it. And I always ask them, all the audiences, when it, have you seen the inspector come to your firehouse? Whatever rank you were at the time or even now. And they all say, yes, the guy comes in at 430 and signs out of our journal, puts it on his timesheet. Have you ever asked that guy, let alone if he needs a cup of coffee or a bathroom, but have you ever asked him what he saw or she saw in the, in the district that day that might be prudent to a fire operation that night? And no, no, no hands ever go up. I said, start asking your inspectors when they walk in, hey, what did you see? Did you find any dynamite in the basement of 235 Broadway that we need to know about? That kind of stuff. So we're, we're telling our people, also, when you knock on the door of the firehouse, how you doing? I'm the inspector. I need to sign out. And by the way, I just came from this building. If, you, if your captain's around, have him come down. He needs to notice. So we're trying to do that type of stuff. And and I'm not sure what else we could be doing, but if, if you had other advice for, for, the, for the nation's fire service, so to speak. Well, where I think that there has been a lot of um, uh, inroads in terms of the, you know, um, our firefighters, right? The fire officers, firefighters who are out, um, you know, finding issues and looking to remediate or, 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 or properly enforce the code. Uh, you know, if I can, if I can give a plug to, uh, Joe Rogers, um, and I, am sure Frank knows who Joe is. He, he leads, he's a, I think he's, I don't know if he's a chief inspector yet, or certainly a, He's is he okay? he he is a now. chief inspector now, runs a special inspection unit, it's called. And what a great resource for the, for, for, for the you know, um, our operations folks, right? They, uh, something unusual, something unique, um, whether it's, you know, recently, last week in, in the division I was working in, a day I was working, they discovered 270 propane cylinders in a garage of, uh, of a private dwelling and a whole bunch in a van and a truck out in front. And, you know, for the, you know, could be Lieutenant's first day on the street. Oh my gosh, how am I going to deal with this? Right? Like what a nightmare this is. Well, I think we've marketed the, um, the usefulness and the benefits of fire prevention and more specifically the special inspection units such that now they know that's a resource, right? And these guys will come out and, um, pretty much administratively handle the enforcement part of that operation, but they'll talk the fire officer through uh, all the documentation and record keeping. And in fact, they'll even go back to the firehouse and show them how to most efficiently, you know, enter the information for follow-up enforcement activities. So um, I, I think that's been a good learning tool, tool for our fire officers and firefighters in the field benefiting from the wealth of knowledge that many of our inspectors do, uh, you know, do have. So. And we're, and we're, we're also getting, we're getting, we're getting encouraging reports from our own people that when they discover a condition in a building, when they go to make an inspection and they call the dispatcher and say, have the administrative company respond and the battalion chief for many years, it was like, what are you breaking our chops? The meal just hit the table blah, 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 and all those things. The, the kickoff was at 6 o'clock, and now, now they seem to be saying, thanks for letting us know. 
you know, we'll get we'll get the thank you instead of instead of a kick in the ass. So I, that's I, for us, it's starting to gel a little bit, you know. And and I I, I just wondered if there was any other good tips that you could offer any fire or any fire marshal's office or fire prevention office all around the country, how they can get closer with their line people. I'm not sure, you know, other than, you know, without trying to intrude or without, or does that, does that have to come from leadership at the top? You know, what's your thoughts on that, Frank, anything? I on think that? communicate with the firefighters. Um, like, like you mentioned earlier, if you see buildings that they should be aware of, stop by and just let them know, Hey, just want to let you know, just went in this building and it, was odd for whatever reason, or um, we're working on it, or there's a vacate on it, whatever it is, right? Let the firefighters know. And, you know, that's, uh, I think, if you want to have a relationship with them and, uh, you know, uh, have conversation, that's a that's a pretty good way to, to start it, for sure. Yeah, and, and, and I, I, I'd, I'd love to encourage the firefighters that are watching this podcast to, to also put out that olive branch. You know, I've, I've always heard, Horrible stories. I was at the National Fire Academy years ago teaching, and I had a guy in my class. He was he was on the line for thirty years. This guy, you know, we pretty, pretty battle hardened guy up up in New England someplace, and also a big weightlifter kind of guy, huge guy. But he was getting old, so he got off the line. He went to the fire marshal's office, got credential, and he said, in a week or two, he says they were looking down their nose at me. He says I was crawling down the hall two weeks ago. Now they don't even want to talk. Oh, the guy's a fire inspector. He's an idiot. You know, it's like, what happened? You know, it all fell apart so fast, you know. <laughs> so uh, I, I, and that's part of that. That was the, the an hour ago when he talked about changing the culture. That, that's kind of what I was alluded to is like, you know, you can't, you know, that, that stupid saying, throwing out the baby with water. But it, it's true. And, and, I, and I think, you know, it wants, for me, for the firefighters to, to, to take stock in the prevention, protection, education thing, they're taking stock in themselves, you know. And and I and I, I guess maybe that starts in the very beginning when it, when they come to the fire department to say, listen, by the way, you're going to be engaged in this stuff. It's it's for you. Well, right. And, just and like the fire. Ron, if I could just jump in real fast because I'll forget no. the point I want to make if you talk for another thirty seconds or so. That's how fleeting my my mind is. But. Um, but so the, the point is, right, and, and it, part of my, um, you know, uh, uh, whatever, you know, when I speak to the new fire protection inspectors, I usually get a, you know, get a, get a get an hour or so to stop by uh, the fire academy and speak to them. And, and I think it goes to those in the fire marshal's office and those, you know, in the fire prevention bureaus or whatever. They're, we, we, we don't have a way to measure the impacts that a fire marshal or a fire inspector is going to make over his or her career, right? Like, and what do I mean? You know, how many lives are they going to save? How many civilians are they going to, you know, keep from being injured or killed? How many firefighters are they going to keep from being injured or killed, right? And and how do we know that, right? But, you know, we know they are. And, and I think that's uh, to that, yeah, firefighter who's all of a sudden getting, you know, uh, looked down upon by his colleagues. Um, I mean, that's a, that's that's how, how do you how do you market that aspect of it, right? How do you you know because we can't. I, I don't at least I don't know how you measure it. Um, one's impact in that regard, other than I think it's kind of you know logical or self evident that 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 is an outcome of you know a, a an inspector, a fire marshal who is is um, doing his or her job is going to have that kind of impact. 
There's no doubt, right? I mean, sometimes the moments that never happen matter the most. And we see the failures. We see when there's a line of duty death and we track it back because of the investigation. So we see the moments that happen and that's the problem. It's hard to quantify it, but we know because we have moments that do happen that we can certainly deduce that there are moments that are prevented from that, whether it's your your team's finding 270 propanes. I remember when, you know, cylinders, I remember when you were uh, in five events, Joe, and some of the stuff that was going on with the um, uh, with the airbags in the car and the storage, and you think, like, what a, what a disaster that would have been. What a, you know, had had that been a fire in that place? Or I think about some of the illegal occupancies that were operating as um, – these new escape rooms, right? When it was a, a, a fairly new phenomena, and you know, we—what if we would have lost a firefighter in in an illegal escape room or something like that? You think, you know, all the time it comes down to code. You always see these code violations, and it leads to firefighter and civilian deaths that we see later on. So it, there's no doubt that the that there are plenty of lives being saved, both civilian and firefighter lives, by the work of anybody who's doing fire prevention activities. And that is obviously our fire prevention inspectors. That is our firefighters when they're out there doing it. It's in, the whole ecosystem uh, is designed to keep us and the public safe. You know, I, I, we, we, when we do that, when we do that little 40 minute class, either, either at Lieutenant school or battalion chief school, we even did it for the staff chiefs. Uh, if you remember back about a year ago, we did it upstairs on the eighth floor. But at the end of the day, the, the second slide says says the firefight, the men and women on the line, the men and women on the line in fire and EMS in the city are our primary customers. And I, I, we all, I always get like a look, and I say I say if we can make the building safe enough for you to operate in in an untamed environment, imagine how safe it could be for the people who live or work there. You know, so that that's that's what we try to kind of convey to the firefighters, you know, and, and to try to kind of invite them in and say. You know, we got it. We got some good stuff for you. You know, pay attention. We'll help you out. So we're 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 about winding down. Uh, I would love to get get a a, a summary statement, just like in a courtroom. You know, summary statement on on just the, the, the tonight's tonight's episode. We talk about fire safety education, fire prevention protection, tied into health and safety for our firefighters on the line. So I'll. Uh, so who wants to go first? I don't want to pick on anybody in particular. Uh, anybody have a thought yet? I'll go first. I think that, you know, just to button this up, um, you know, based on our discussion and we, I know much to your chagrin, you know, we, we hadn't really pre-planned a lot of how this was going to go, but, um, okay. but, but I, it's you know, okay. as it's, as it's, you know, played out, uh, you know, and you, you know, you, you, you facilitated a lot of, you know, good conversation and, and certainly, um, spawned some interesting thoughts, but it's that, you know, for a fire officer, right, just from the perspective of a fire chief, fire officer, firefighter, um, it's, it's part of our job. And, and I think that um, that as seriously as, you know, we take forcing a door, stretching a line, we have to um, value the role of to, to I think you said, Iran, I know Frank said it, Tom alluded to it. We we have to, you know, what steps can we take to prevent the need to do any of that? But certainly in light of the fact that that's inevitable, um, that we're not going to have, you know, um, catastrophic outcomes as we are operating in, as you just referred to, that untamed environment. So it's just got to be, um, you know, assume this is what we do and we can't shirk that responsibility. 
in our role, whether it's as a chief officer, fire officer, even, you know, a firefighter aspiring to advance his or her career. Great. Thank you, Joe. Frank? It's the entire ecosystem of the fire services meshed together, and everybody has a part to play to make sure that we make moments that um, that happen, that we have less of those that lead to catastrophic results, and everybody has an important part to play. Outstanding. Tommy, what do you think? It has <laughs> been uh, my honor to uh, have uh, Frank and Joe on the show. Uh, I've been a big fan of the FDNY back from when I was living across the river in Jersey and uh, always, uh, always good to talk. Uh, Frank, you and I got to sit down and talk uh, fire history someday. It uh, sounds like uh, you're a wealth of information I could tap into, but I like talking about the old stuff. And uh, again, uh, pleasure to have both of you guys on and stay safe. Thanks for having Thanks, us. Thanks, Tommy. Yeah, yeah, enjoyable. Yeah, Thanks so, for the invite. So, yeah, we, we appreciate both appreciate both of you being on with us tonight. And and uh, hopefully the, the folks that are going to watch this, this podcast make a difference. Listen to what listen to what the Chiefs were saying and and write a few things down and, and go in and see the boss tomorrow after you watch this and say, you know what, we could do better. We could there's some things we could do better. You know, make make the fire prevention protection thing part of your annual training. You know, give it to your new people when they're coming through school. And, and, and maybe, you know, eventually maybe we can, I won't say we change the culture, but maybe we can improve the culture and the atmosphere in the fire service. So with that, well, that's some bell, boy. Is that, is that your alarm clock? Yeah, that's that? a calling post <laughs> that I guess won't give up until I eventually answer it. So, Ron, you know what? Uh, so I'm wondering, like, who has a home phone? So actually that last one, I just called Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, oh, that's great! Joe, that's great. Hey, who has who has a home phone nowadays, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> Take it off the hook. <laughs> oh man! I, how do you top that? How, how do we end the show now? A little so firehouse humor, my brothers. Mm-hmm. A little firehouse yeah. humor. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Well, thanks, Joe, and thanks, Frank. Uh, Happy holidays. Whenever you celebrate them, whatever time of the year it is, I don't care at this point. And uh, we'll uh, for everybody out there. Uh, that's Frank again. Oh, that's Lee again. Yeah, came up. That's Lee. No, Be safe. Wear no. your mask. Oh, no, I can't say that on here. Mayday, mayday, mayday. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Till we meet again on the back step, wear your mask, wear your seatbelt, slow down. Wash your neck, take a shower after every job, and uh, hug your kids nice and tight before you go to sleep. So with that, we'll say goodnight. Thank you, everybody. Happy holidays. We'll see you again on the back step. Take care. Stay safe, everybody. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit TenkataFabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by enforced technology. 
only from Tenkata protective fabrics.